Good morning. Today we reach the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 2. These verses serve as a conclusion of sorts, but they will also propel Paul forward and allow him to focus in on correcting the sins that plagued the church in Corinth. Originally, I planned to stop this part of our devotional at the end of chapter 2, but now I think it will be beneficial to take this study on the mind of Christ into chapter 3 because Paul continues thematically the same idea. I'll start that tomorrow. Listen now as I read 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 through 16. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Again, the contrast is between the wisdom of man and the wisdom of God. But in these final verses of chapter 2, Paul will look specifically at individuals to reveal the profound difference between the one Paul calls the natural person, this is the unbeliever who embraces the wisdom of the world, and the spiritual person, this is the believer who has the Spirit of God and the mind of Christ. Paul says two things about the natural person. First, he says that the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God because they are folly to him. This should help us as believers understand why the world sometimes acts the way it does. When we see injustice, immorality, and ungodliness that is utterly inconsistent with what God reveals in his word, we need to understand that the alternative to that is folly to the world. God's wisdom is folly to them, and so they walk in immorality and in unrighteousness. This is not to say that we then simply bury our head in the sand and do nothing, but we need to have the proper perspective about what's really happening. Paul's main concern, however, is not that the world was practicing injustice, immorality, and ungodliness. It was that these things were taking place in the church. It is understandable when the world sees the message of the cross as foolishness. When the church acts like it's foolishness, there is a huge problem. The problem is either that believers are willfully turning away from the truth, or that the church is actually filled with natural people, unbelievers. The second thing Paul says about the natural person is that they are not able to understand the things of God because those truths are spiritually discerned. To summarize then, The natural man does not want to accept the things of God because to him they are folly, and they cannot understand those truths because they do not have the Spirit of God to instruct them. This is why Paul tells us in Ephesians 2.8 that even faith is a gift. He says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. For the natural man to come to an understanding of the things of God, God must first give him the gift of faith. Moving now to verse 15, Paul will say two things about the spiritual person. Before addressing these two things, it needs to be said that the spiritual person has no reason to boast in their position. Remember that earlier Paul reminded the Corinthians that when they were called, not many were wise, powerful, or of noble birth. In fact, the spiritual man ought to be the humblest because they recognize God's goodness to them. So what does he say about the spiritual man or the spiritual person? First, he says 
The spiritual person judges all things. Obviously, there is a way to judge that is unspiritual and, in fact, condemned by Scripture. This is what James talks about when he says it is evil to judge with evil motives. This kind of judgment is evil because it uses the wisdom of the world to make distinctions. It's not relying upon the wisdom of God. This is not what Paul is commending in verse 15. What he is saying is that believers have access to the wisdom of God and are therefore the only people who are able to see clearly enough to make wise judgments. This does not mean that every decision an unbeliever makes is wrong. Every human being was created in the image of God and has the law of God written on their heart. God also gives man common grace for the good of mankind. But it does mean that there are a lot of times that the world gets it wrong. It is in those times that the people of God need to have a prophetic voice and speak and live out the wisdom given to them from God. Believers have the ability to discern in a way that is far superior to the world. Again, that's not because the person is far superior, but rather it is because they have been given the wisdom of God. The second thing that Paul then says about the spiritual person is that the spiritual person is judged by no one. This does not mean that the believer has blanket immunity and can do whatever they want without fear of punishment. When the believer sins, God will judge them, and if they break the law of an earthly government, they are accountable to the court for their crime. It does mean, however, that the world will not be able to comprehend it when the believer takes a stand for truth. In our world today, when we as followers of Christ don't go along with a particular agenda pursued by the world, we are often called intolerant. Again, they see our position as folly, and they don't have the Spirit, so they are not able to discern the truthfulness of the position that we are taking. It is possible, however, that our stance is ungracious in the way that we handle the opposition. But the world doesn't have the right to judge the believer who stands up for the truth of the gospel. And in the final verse of chapter 2, Paul explains why what he said in the previous verse is true. He asks the question, Who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? This is a quote, by the way, from Isaiah 40.13. When the believer embraces and proclaims the truth of Scripture, they are simply resting in the wisdom that God has revealed to them. No man has the right to stand in judgment of God's wisdom. It reminds me of an incident in Scripture when someone does try to stand in judgment of God's wisdom. That person was Job. Now, Job endured a lot, and he finally came to the end of his rope, and he began to question God's wisdom. After questioning God's wisdom, God answers Job in Job 38, verses 1 through 3. This passage says this, Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this who darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Dress for action like a man. I will question you, and you make it known to me. God says, Job, you seem to know a lot. I'm going to start asking you some questions, and you answer back to me. 
God then proceeds to question Job in chapters 38, 39, 40, and 41. And in doing so, God reveals to Job that Job does not begin to understand the depths and the riches of God's wisdom. And so in verse, excuse me, in chapter 42, verses 4 through 6, Job repents and says this, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Hear, and I will speak. I will question you, and you make it known to me. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now see with my eyes. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. Job had the right response, but he also demonstrates the point. Man cannot stand in judgment of God's wisdom. Paul then concludes by saying, but we have the mind of Christ. As I've already said, it bear, but it bears repeating, we already have the mind of Christ by virtue of our union with him and the indwelling of the Spirit of God. The implied question then is this, why would you choose the passing foolish wisdom of the age over the eternal transcendent wisdom that we have in Christ. We have the mind of Christ. We need to use it. We need to exercise it. We need to put into practice and hold firm to those truths that have been revealed to us in Scripture. Today, as I close this in prayer, I recognize that we're a couple weeks into the school year and there's all kinds of differences that we've had to endure as a result of the COVID-19 restrictions. I'm guessing that there are some of us who are tired. So today I want to pray that God would give us supernatural refreshment and energy. And it would be a good day to return to our hymn of the month, May the Mind of Christ My Savior, on the Spotify playlist GSB Morning Devotional Hymns. Join with me as we pray. Father, there are many who are probably tired, uh, maybe frustrated, just fatigued, uh, not just by a new school year, but all of the other things uh, that have gone along with it this year in particular. I pray today for strength and refreshment. I pray that that mind of Christ that we have will help us to see and remember and recognize that in the midst of trial, you are with us, that you are good. And when we face trials, we need to come to you and seek wisdom, knowing that it is for our good and to grow us more into the image of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.